0: Hello and welcome back to the PAL with Tani G. I'm your host, Tani G. Questions, comments, suggestions, always welcome at maximumtee at yahoo.com. Season 2 of the PAL, of his Treasury, Chapter 4, Paragraph 12, Dalad Mishnah Yudbet. Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir says, memaid Limit your business activities. Ve'asok b'torah, and engage in Torah study. Ve'heve shafal ruach b'thnei kol adam, be of humble spirit before every person. Ve'im betaltam in Torah, if you should neglect the study of Torah, ye'esh harbe kenegdecha. You will have many, many different things, excuses to neglect it. Ve'im amalta b'torah, ye'esh harbe li'ten But if you labor in the Torah, he has ample reward to give you. And who doesn't want reward here in this world and in the next world? So make sure to do what you can to study as much Torah as you can. Rabbi Meir was perhaps the central figure of the fourth generation of Tanna. According to the Talmud, he was a descendant of the Roman Caesar Nero. His wife, Burya, daughter of Rabbi Hanan ibn Trajion, was famous in her own right. She was a very learned woman who was frequently mentioned in the Talmud. Rabbi Meir's colleagues and students were in awe of him, the greatest, the great. Excuse me, Raviud Nasi attributed his own success in Torah study to having viewed Rav Meir from the back. Had I viewed him from the front, I would have achieved much more, he said. See that an Arab and his brilliance was of such magnitude that most of his colleagues were unable to understand him fully. In spite of the heavenly proclamation that he had no equal in the generation, the Allah does not follow his opinion, Ibid. He was ordained from. By, from Rabbi Akiva, seen Sanhedrin and by Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava, and was among the five disciples of Rabbi Akiva who rebuilt the tradition after the tragic decimation of Rabbi Akiva's 24,000 students, the And an accomplished halachist and homileticist, he devised a successful formula for public speaking, one-third halachic content, one-third homiletics, and one-third illustrative stories and parables, which kept his audiences spellbound. So Shami and his opinions play a major role in the compilation of the Mishnah. So let's go over to the Mishnah itself. Limit your business activities. Engage in Torah study. One should keep his commercial affairs to a minimum in order to have sufficient time and energy to make Torah study his major occupation. From Rabbi Rav Yona. Maharal notes one should limit his business activities only in order to free his time for Torah study. There's no merit in curtailing business affairs out of laziness or fear of the difficulties of commerce. At the bottom, bad investment. Rav Yehuda ben Rabbi Huda Leib Ashlag spoke of the foolishness of those who sacrifice their spiritual growth in order to earn more money. Imagine someone hoarding currency which the government has announced will shortly be taken out of circulation. How futile an enterprise. Man does not live forever. In a few short years, he is taken out of circulation. Then all his money is worthless. Time and money, the Chavis Chaim said, the world says that time is money but I say that money is time. In order to earn enough money to satisfy his desires, one must sacrifice inordinate amounts of time. For me, that sacrifice is too great. He owned few farms books and advised people that the time spent earning money to buy books would be better spent studying the books one already owned. And carrying your own weight, the magad gives a wonderful parable to discourage any excessive involvement in business. A poor fellow was walking on the road, his pack on his back. When a wagon passed by, the wagon driver offered him a ride, which he gratefully accepted. When the poor man climbed in, he continued to hold his pack rather than putting it down. The wagon driver asked him to explain his puzzling behavior. My dear friend, the poor man replied, It is kind of you enough to allow me to ride on your wagon. Why should you also have to carry my package? Reply the wagon driver, fool, don't you realize that just as I carry you on my wagon, I also carry your pack? Just as God grants us life and carries us through it, so does he bear all our burdens, including our sustenance. The mission teaches us to minimize our business involvement. allow God to carry us financially to some extent. He is better equipped to provide for us than we are ourselves. Our job is to earn our own spiritual sustenance. And humble spirit before every person. Robin Mugg and others interpret this as referring to Torah study. One must be ready to learn humbly from any person, even one of lesser caliber. Rambam notes that the phrase before every person, one should act humbly in general in the presence of all people, even those of lesser spiritual stature. When speaking to others, he should behave as though they are his spiritual superiors. Rav Yona combines these two ideas by connecting the stitch to the previous one. Not only should one be exceedingly humble in everyday affairs, Pharisee 4 but he must stifle any arrogance concerning his spiritual achievements as well. Next, if you should neglect the study of Torah, you will have many excuses. There are always compelling reasons why it is, quote-unquote, impossible for someone to study Torah. If his resolve weakens and he gives into necessity, quote-unquote, he'll find it harder And harder to study with diligence. Thus heaven will prevent him from receiving the reward for Torah study from Rashi. Man is destined to toil in some form. If he neglects to make Torah's labor of love, his precious time and talents will be frittered away on the trivial and meaningless issues that clutter life. When he fully involves himself in Torah, however, his everyday concerns will be tended to by others. See Baruchos. And Rav and Raviona render if you neglect the study of Torah, there are many things that are unoccupied which can be employed as agents of punishments against you. God forbid wicked men and wild animals, uninvolved in anything positive, stand ready to inflict divine retribution for the neglect of Torah study. So we should try to make sure that we use our time wisely. But if you labor in the Torah, is ample reward to give you. Next, unlike the punishment for neglecting Torah study, which is meted out through intermediaries, the reward for making Torah one's labor of love is given by God himself. This is analogous to a king who commissioned an artisan to create beautiful vessels for him. When the artisan had completed the task, the king instructed his servants to withdraw funds from the royal treasury and reward him handsomely. They promptly complied, but since his money was not theirs, they skimped a bit. Had the king paid the artisan himself, he certainly would have been much more magnanimous. magnanimous. Likewise, when God himself rewards man's good deeds, he showers him unstintingly with his beneficence. Ben, sorry. From Ravion and Rav. Rav Meiri views ample reward as a reference to the provision of man's worldly needs. He should not fear that his involvement in Torah will adversely affect his ability to support his family. God lacks nothing and provide man with everything he needs. And Rav Meir taught this mission as a rebuttal to Acher, Ben Benavoyo, who went off the Derach, who would become an apostate, C425 Elisha, and sought to dissuade young Torah students from pursuing their spiritual calling, become a carpenter, become a tailor, he would cry, learn a trade that provides a living. So your Rav Meir refuted him by emphasizing that one who labors at Torah will indeed earn ample reward from God. And lastly, Rav Yehuda, lastly, lastly, Yehuda Lerman notes that the Mishnah speaks of laboring at Torah, not learning much Torah. The ample godly reward is the, for the toil and labor one expends at Torah study. Join us next time as we talk about He Who Fulfills Even a Single Mitzvah. What happens here on the PAL with Tani G. And I'm your host, Tani G.